This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee, and we are back to skating at full strength here on Good Karma Wrestling. With me, as most of the time, Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm and returning from his well-earned vacation from ESPN 1000 in J-Hood, who has some very legitimate concerns about Jeff Jarrett. Also <laughs> taking over this show, he is Jonathan Hood. So the man gets around. <laughs> he does. He's everywhere. I, I I don't know. Like he's apparently, yeah. If, if he, I, mean, I would not be shocked if he's a good cover brands employee by the end of the show. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Spend my days looking hard on the goal with the hands on the clock, spinning <laughs> too slow. I can't wait to get alone with my baby tonight. <laughs> The impressions that you do are incredible. <laughs> like it just, I, they're they're so vast, they're so deep. Was not expecting the double J, but yet here we are. Well, um, I mean, I mean, look, 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 I mean, Gabe, that that was actually a hit for country music. Like WWE's been looking for like a theme that catches on that goes mainstream, and it was that one. I, <laughs> like that one was actually on country music radio, like oh, from when Jared was in WWF. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to Double J and his AEW debut in just a little bit. But where we start our show tonight is Triple H at 100 days in charge of WWE and more. We care about the creative side of things. So the question we are asking, what is the grade you would give Hunter through 100 days as the booker? Well, for me, guys, it's a B+. Plus. And that is up from a C plus to C minus from Vince uh, this year. And the reason why is because of a number of things. Number one, restoring the history of the WWE. We had uh, complained under Vince that there wasn't enough emphasis on the U.S. and Intercontinental Championships. You see these packages. So that gets me. I'm over with that. I love that. The other thing is, is that you get longer matches. They're not like two or three minute matches. They're telling stories in the ring. The only thing I have a problem with with Triple H is, is like if you watch just any Garden Variety Raw, a lot of interference, man. A lot of interference in these matches, and it's like, man, can I get a couple of clean finishes? We we get it from time to time. We and we'll go through Raw in a little bit, but just I think that through the first hundred days, it's not a hundred percent of a turnover, bro. It's but you could just tell. The seeds are planted. It feels like NXT when it was really at its height when Triple H was running it. Yeah, I, I think I saw the number from Raw this past week. I think there were only two matches that didn't have sort of, you know, a fluky finish on Monday. But in terms of grade, I'm going a B. And the flip side for you, like, I had Vince at like a D, D minus. Like, WWE was hard to watch towards the end of Vince. Like, I didn't want to watch on Monday. I didn't want to watch on Friday. Like, if not for this show, I probably would have completely tuned out. But I was like, all right, let me at least keep some sort of pulse on it. Now I enjoy Mondays and Fridays. Like you mentioned, the wrestling matches are a big part of that. The character development of, you know, the Bray Wyatt stuff and Kevin Owens doing his thing and Gunther being such a star. The one reason I wouldn't say I'm shocked you didn't say Sami Zayn. I was waiting for him to say Sami Zayn. And he just, I was just waiting for it. He didn't say it. Are you out on Sami Zayn? Put it, breaking news. Send it out to everybody. Rowitz out on Zayn. At B. Rowitz this past weekend, he hit the Superman punch on Braun. He just planted those scenes for media. When he hits that on Roman, oh. man, that place is going to be loud. So just throwing it out there. At B. Rowitz on Twitter, you can see that retweet. The one reason, though, I don't put it higher is that main event scene. Like, as great as Roman is, it's still that one thing of who's going to be the guy? Who's going to beat him? And we just sort of just sort of. I feel like we're just treading water until Mania at this point. So the fact that we don't have that legit threat just yet, like, that's why I don't have it higher. Well, I, but I guess I give him a break because 100 days isn't that long. Sure. And Vince booked him into one hell of a corner <laughs> by putting both of those championships. And I think he's done great. I mean, he's he's kept it fun. He's kept it light. Sami Zayn has really done a lot there. I, I really enjoyed the first half hour of SmackDown that was all bloodline centric, mm -hmm. you know, centric between the match and then Roman coming out and, and then teasing more of the uh, more of the tension between you know Sami Zayn and Sami like just again killing everybody by saying the word Usi like oh you know <laughs> and, and suddenly that now the term Usi is getting over and like Roman's trying to cut a serious promo. And Jay just can't like keep a straight yeah. face. Like he broke like, him. Like Jay was yeah. broken on Friday night. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so these are the things that I like from Triple H because Usi, I don't believe Usi was written by Jason Jordan or 
you know, whoever, yeah. Michael Hayes or whoever's in the back. I think that was very organic. And this is why Sami Zayn, he is the MVP of SmackDown. Uh, that is for sure. It's his show. It's interesting mm-hmm. because you have a bloodline in which you have two mouthpieces. You have Paul Heyman and you have Sami Zayn. That's why the split at some point is going to happen. But I just feel like these guys are just being an extension of themselves. Um, when we're seeing this whole bloodline thing under Triple H, it's the number one storyline in wrestling, all of wrestling. But these guys are breaking character right in front of you. Yes, it's supposed to be this serious storyline, but they're just like, yeah, Sami Zayn makes me laugh. And I think that looseness makes everybody like in on the joke or in on the personalities, each one of them. Yeah, I think so, to that point, the unscriptedness. Like I always go back to that mania in Tampa, which I believe was two years ago when they had the weather delay, and they were scrambling what to do to fill time, and they just had KO and Sammy. They said, here's a mic, please just fill time. Like Those are the guys you can trust, and that's been a lot of it, and you see that in the promos. It's like, okay, they didn't just memorize this all day. Like This is actually them, and that makes it more entertaining. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the same ballpark as you guys. I'm with a B, and... If, if I'm going to be critical of anything, I think the one thing I think he's been a little over-reliant on, and we were very critical of AEW as well about this, a lot of debuts, all right? So once these debuts kind of settle down, how are you going to be able to handle what's a little bit of a bigger roster now? I mean, look at everybody that has debuted since he took over or, or returned to the WWE. Johnny Gargano. Dexter Loomis brought back Hit Row, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman. Emma comes out of nowhere and debut, re-debuts on SmackDown on Friday nights. Uh, Dakota Kai and EO Sky come back. Shotzi's Tank is now back. Uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlett are back. Candice LeRae and then Gallows and Anderson. That's a lot of debuts. And for the same reason that you know we were kind of weary of a lot of those debuts and AEW kind of relying a lot on those it seems like he's kind of relying a lot on that maybe to just kind of just get him to a point where he can continue to build up guys and eventually take one, if not both of those championship belts off of Roman Reigns. But it, that's the one criticism. I, I've loved a lot of the debuts. I've loved a lot of these people coming back. But now that's going to present an even bigger challenge for Triple H going forward. How do you keep this many people happy? How do you fill those five hours of television that you have between Raw and SmackDown every week? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. Um, I think that this is a reassembling of what was torn down by Vince at NXT. I'm sure that there might be even more NXT people that are out there in the indies that might be uh, back under the umbrella of the WWE. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't see, I don't foresee any cuts. I did hear the, um, the quarterly report. Uh, sounds like they're doing very good business, so don't have to worry about making any budget cuts here for the holidays. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I just think that he looks at when he was in charge of NXT, he's probably looking at all these superstars going out the door and he's probably saying, you know, these guys are going to be the next level. You got to give them an opportunity. And I think at some point we're going to see that. Um, And I I like what he's trying to do here, but as one of our, our our listeners have here, let's see a magic bull, I believe it is, or imagine bull 17 says he gives triple H a C some stuff is good, but the women's division and tag team division aren't as interesting as they should be given the talent top belts are stale and bronze uh, bronze booking is like Vince or Vince. Like I don't agree with the brawn thing. I think that brawn is not the cartoon character that he was under Vince. I would agree that the women's championship, especially on the SmackDown side, could be better. There's no doubt. But I thought we saw a great opening match um, with Bianca and, uh, and Nikki. I mean, I think – and then we're going to see them in Crown Jewel as well. So I think on the Raw side, the women are good. I think SmackDown, it could be a lot better for sure. Yeah, yeah but I, mean, I think look, also – think... Go ahead. Well, I think the women's division is just in this reboot mode. Because for so long, they've relied on the four horsewomen. And right now, Becky Lynch is out with injury. And just as she went out with injury, you had Bailey return. Sasha Banks obviously walked out, hasn't come back under Triple H as we thought she would. And she's been out since she went and got married. So they're, they're, you know, we've seen kind of an infusion of talent. I guess they're trying to figure out what works. They tried something. I know you weren't a big fan of it, um, Jay Hood, but they tried something with Liv. 
and and I, I give them credit for at least trying something different before going back to Ronda Rousey, which is a little bit more familiar as one of their champions. And Bianca Belair, again, I, outside of Roman, to me, she's the biggest star in WWE. She's just fantastic. The promos she cuts are awesome. She delivers in the ring like she did uh, on Monday with Nikki Cross. And by the way, we don't have Nikki ASH anymore. Cool with that. I'm all in on just an unhinged Nikki Cross hanging yes. out and, cr- and creating havoc on Monday Night Raw. That's awesome. I, I think that he's slowly trying to get it back. Candice LeRae coming back and her re-debut. Emma comes back. So I think the women's division is is on its way up. And I think, again, it's, it's just one of those things that's going to take time. Uh, as, as for the tag team division, it's the same thing. Vince put you in a corner by putting both championships in the bloodline. And now what do you do? You know, they're defending him and they keep teasing at the the longest reigning tag team champs. They keep teasing the New Day. I don't know if that's something they're going to do maybe at Survivor Series. That's something they constantly are mentioning on commentary. But yeah, the, the tag team division stale because you have champions that are in this bigger storyline. Yeah, I completely agree. Like the tag team division is still sort of Vince-like. Like we're not seeing it main event. Like we've seen some spotlights. We've seen, you know, Usos were street profits. Like, that was damn good. Those were our matches of the week. Those are matches that arguably could be match of the year candidates. Like, those were really good, but you still have a pretty overall weak division. The women's division, I agree with what you said, Gabe. Like, the fact that Bianca has become such a star under the Triple H umbrella, like, yes, a lot of that is due to her talent, but it's also due to her being given the platform, her being able to be on game day, her being able to, you know, beat Bailey in a ladder match. Like, that is impressive. And yes, they tried with Liv. It didn't work. They're trying Ronda as a heel. And I think we're starting to learn that maybe that doesn't work either. Like Ronda might need a mouthpiece there, but they are trying things and missing the majority of the horsewomen and doing this. Like, no easy task for Hunter. Yeah. I'd also say this this one last thing about Triple H is that um, under his uh, leadership, there's always this feeling of what's going on over here. What's what's sure. that? What's going on there? There's storytelling there, right? It. I feel like the show moves. And hey, you guys know I was not a fan of Monday Night Raw. Just it just yep. because it's three hours and there's nothing you could do about it. People could bitch about three hours. It's like, hey, USA's paying them for the third hour. <laughs> yeah, could you make it a little bit more creative? You could do that. But as far as the matches, I feel like the met the the show moves faster under Triple H because of backstage stuff the gargano skit and of also two or three segments of good wrestling for one match i'm good with it if it's a three segment deal and it's a good match i'm in i'll be watching it a lot of times it's on dvr but the the point is though i'm invested and so it's been a long time since i've been invested in watching Monday night raw for three hours and it's again kudos to triple h in the way he's trying to mold and shape the show my biggest positive, I would say, for Hunter, and maybe this is out of necessity because of the situation you're in with Roman being a double champ, the the mid-card belts and those championships have been elevated, and he's not treating them as being thrown away. Gunter and Imperium is constantly featured. He has put on so many good matches with them and the Brawling Brutes, um, and starting with Bobby Lashley, having that championship go to Seth Rollins, it is prominently featured on Monday Night Raw and is treated as something that, you know, is worth pursuing. So I think that's a tip of the cap to him for making those championships relevant and feel more important than they did, especially under Vince at the end, where they just kind of felt like they were there and a hindrance to Vince and he just kind of threw them away and and didn't really care about them. I will say for me the biggest positive, and it's a little thing, but it irked me so much, is there's no more damn jump cuts. Like, it was done so much under Vince at the end that, like, it was unwatchable. Like, I could not watch because of the amount of jump cuts. They're like, this isn't fun to watch. Like, getting rid of those, like, little things like that, to your point, Jay Hood, about, like, those little storytelling, like, it leads to the big picture. And I think overall, we're going to see that payoff where he still has his first rumble. He still has his first mania. And that's something to really get excited about. Yeah, and it's all coming up, and it's going to be here before you know it. And those are always those are like measuring stick type of things because that's what you're building towards all year round. So we can, and he's shown that he can tell these long term stories. He's shown, I think, that he showed he showed it at NXT, and he's shown it in the hundred days that he's been in charge of the main roster at WWE. So that's Triple H at a hundred days, but we still have more stories to dive into. We call it the three count here on GKW. The other top three stories we want to discuss. Brian, what do we have at number one? We'll get, we'll head to Dynamite last night. A couple surprise debuts. Which one was a bigger deal? 
Was it Jay Hood's guy, Jeff Jarrett, Double J? Or was it Colt Cabana making his first TV appearance in nearly a year? Uh, we didn't have the other guy from the factory. That wasn't that's not an option. No. See, I would have put him in if I remembered his name. No, okay. That's fair. That's very fair. I just The guy from the factory that they were very confused about on commentary right before uh, Jeff Jarrett debuted. Um, just bad booking again. Just bad booking. <laughs> They're mean? really high on that guy who I mean, looks I like mean, a generic creator wrestler from a video game. Seriously, like, I mean, just just horrible booking. If somebody puts on a sting mask, somebody puts on the coat, somebody has the bat. When that, when that person's revealed, it better be a star. It better be a star. Not just some guy where Baltimore's like, who's that? <laughs> Commentary didn't know who he was. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I, is, is that insert name here from the factory? Like, that, there was a lot of confusion all the way around. And I don't know if that was meant to be a distraction before Double J came in. You know, like, oh, oh okay. And then all of a sudden, Jared's there. It's overthinking it. And I, I, if the question is, which is a bigger surprise, it's definitely Jeff Jarrett. Because last I knew, he had a job at WWE. <laughs> you know, like, so for him to suddenly make an appearance in AEW was shocking. I don't think I liked it. I, I, I've never understood, for me, the appeal of Jeff Jarrett, the television wrestler. Maybe he can serve some some purposes for you backstage at this point. But at this point in my wrestling fandom, like I, I didn't get Double J when I was a kid, in you know the the mid to late nineties. You know, he, then he goes to Impact. I didn't pay attention too much to him when he was at Impact, and, and now he's kind of just bouncing around all over the place. I, I don't at this point, see his value as a television character at AEW. Again, maybe he can help you behind the scenes. I just didn't, it didn't hit with me last night when he appeared. So I'm going to go with Cole Cabana being better, but Jeff Jarrett was a bigger surprise. Uh, I'm going to say for me, Cole Cabana was a bigger surprise. And here's why. All this controversy still rumbling about CM Punk and like where CM Punk and will he return to you know, to AEW, where is he going to go to the WWE? All this stuff, right? Just to see him come through the tunnel. People, first of all, it's Baltimore, so it's an ROH crowd, and they know who Cole Cabana is, so I get that. But just when you saw him on your screen, was the first thing you thought about? I know I thought about that press conference where CM Punk was going after Nick Houseman for no reason and just picking um, uh, Cole Cabana apart. It was just out of context. We reviewed it here on Good Karma Wrestling, how it just didn't make any sense. Why are you going after this guy? You just won the world championship, and now you just have all these grievances for no reason. So when I saw him come out of the tunnel, I was like, here's a guy here that had emotion in his face. Because I know he he's at a silly side, and he could do a lot of the histrionics and crazy stuff. But it's almost like it was the most serious I've seen Cole Cabana in a long time, where it's like, yeah, you know what? I was buried in the back because of CM Punk. I was I was not even on you know dark or elevation. I was just away because CM Punk didn't want me around. And then I think if, if anything else, what we told us last night is is that CM Punk buried Cole Cabana, not just from the press conference. I'm talking about the company because that's one of the questions that we would ask. Right? We'd say, "Okay, CM Punk's back. So what does that mean for Cole Cabana?" And you never saw them both on the screen together. Uh, you hardly ever saw them on the card. All you know in this on the same card. And so, yeah, I think we can have some confirmation now because Punk's not there and all of a sudden Cole Cabana's there. So, so to me, that was the biggest surprise. Do you think that was something active that CM Punk pursued? Or is that just Tony going, I've got CM Punk now, I have to keep Colt away from him? Well, if that's the case, that is CM Punk. He's doing it for CM Punk, so it's the same thing to me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the, so the, both these guys can coexist. Whatever their issues, they could be in the same building. They could be on the same card. I didn't expect them to wrestle. Hell, that would be great money if they actually right. wrestled. I mean, God forbid that you have a real issue and you put it in the ring and make money with it. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just a Mark fan. But but, but just the, the idea that he wasn't even the same on the same card, Gabe, that tells me a lot. That he, now he's out there. They didn't have to bring him out. Why did they do that? It could have been anybody. Yep. But they chose Cole Cabana. And now he's back because Punk's not there. That told me a lot. Yeah, I mean, to your question, Gabe, like, I feel like it was one of those, like, yeah, Punk didn't ask, but also Punk wasn't saying, like, hey, like, it's okay for Colt to work here. Like, that was my first thought. When I saw him hit the entrance ramp, I was like, oh, they really are done, done with Punk at this point. To the point where me watching that match, a small part of me was like, 
I wonder if this is a giant F you to Punk and Colt wins this match. Like, I thought there was a chance he wins last night. He gets his Ring of Honor world title, and Tony says, hey, I'm sorry to you. I'm sorry to all your boys. Like, I shouldn't have bowed down to him. And then even the commentary, like Excalibur calling him Marsha Cabana's baby boy, like talking about, like, his mom and things like that. Like, that was a whole lot because with Jarrett, I agree with you, Gabe. He does nothing for me, and I don't honestly feel bad for Darby to have to be involved in this feud because I feel like it's just not really spotlighting him the way he should be spotlighted. Yeah, I mean, with with Colt, and, and it ended up being a really good match with him, yeah. him and Jericho, you know, especially for a guy that we haven't seen on television for God knows for how long. Ended up putting on a really good match. And I did see that sentiment the going going around like, oh, maybe this is a giant F you to punk. Yeah. AEW needs to be careful about that, man. Like, don't <laughs> worry. like Because we, we've also seen that, right, with vindictive booking where, you know, Tony Khan maybe isn't booking the friends of uh, Thunder Rosa. You know, so maybe he's being like, I think you got to avoid that because then that's how you continue divides, right? Like putting Cole Cabana out there as an apology. Cool. I'm awesome with that. But if it was more of a, oh yeah, punk's not here anymore. Bleep you punk. Like that, that's to me, you gotta, you gotta be careful about that because you're going to end up in some not very good spots. If you're going to be trying to do that to other people who have, um, destroyed you. What do we got here? I'm going to call Jeff Jarrett and tell him what you said there. I'm going <laughs> to call him right now and tell him what you said about him. I'm going to tell I'm going to tell him what uh, Conrad Thompson told him. He says, "You know what? When you wrestled, you were the human fast forward button." That's what he, <laughs> that's what he said. He, he goes, "When you came on, I just hit the fast forward." And when he was in WWE, which is interesting, right? Jeff Jarrett being in AEW does not bother me because it's a repackaged Jeff Jarrett. Uh, the the one and, and, uh, and you know so Gabe, I know you didn't see this, but bro, it's, did you see Jeff Jarrett in Game Changer? Did you see him in, nah. in a Game Changer Wrestling? Oh, you didn't see that? Nah. So so because that's usually your speed. Uh, yeah, Game I, know. <laughs> I, I missed that. Okay, uh, you saw him with the hat, and you saw uh, him like you know very ominous. I kind of like that character. If he's as long as he's not winning championships and on my TV every week, I'm fine. But there was a tune out with Jeff Jarrett, and I could say this. I can call him and even tell him that, like with TNA when he was champion and he won all the matches. I'm like, God Almighty, he's just over every week. He's winning matches, and it's like I know there's heat, but then there's go away heat with right. Jeff. So I can understand where people had a hard time with Jared because he was on TV all the time. Is uh, Ain't I great? Ha ha ha. The greatest wrestler. The greatest ha ha ha. You know. People, but the weird gotta, thing is like so. he's got a backstage job. He's the AEW director of business development now. I feel like bookers like look at him a little differently than fans. Like we've talked about it. Him being the special guest referee at that SummerSlam tag match. Like out of nowhere that made zero sense and he was just there and really had no involvement in that match. It was like what are we doing here? And I feel like last night was part of that. Also, like, oh, the crowd's gonna be so into Jeff Jarrett, but like, there's some sort of disconnect there. Like, I don't know what it is, but people look at him a lot higher than I think the fans do. The job he has in AEW is the job he had in WWE before he was okay. He left or left go. Remember, the, go back and look at the the job that Vince gave him, and then Triple H came in and goes, ah, I don't think so, guitar man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then he got fired. But it's the same position, hmm. actually. And, and look, again, maybe he has value there. And if Tony is going to rely on somebody like that backstage, that's been one of our complaints. Yes. Cool. Rely on him backstage. Help you help, you know, help him help you get that ROH TV deal. Get some of these other things in place that, that you want to get in place. I'm cool with that because the guy's been around for a long time. And I think he does have some knowledge you can lean upon. But, yeah, if he starts showing up on my TV every week and Ricky Starks is like, Finally, getting Rampage time for the first time in a month, like, and not even a match. It's, we're gonna hear from Ricky Starks on Rampage. Like, cool. I know that's not gonna lead to anything. And Jeff Jarrett's getting prime television time. I got issues, man. I got problems. Yeah, I I would agree with that. But I I really believe what, what I, my takeaway from Wednesday, guys, is is that um, that is the end for CM Punk because when we oh, see yeah. Cole Caban out there. In a, in a matchup like that against uh, Jericho, it tells me that the green light's on for Cabana, probably in the ROH brand. But with, with Jeff Jarrett, keep in mind, cats have nine lives. Jeff Jarrett has ten. Yeah. 
What do we have at number two, Brian? In the WWE world this Saturday, it's time for another premium live event at noon Eastern. It is Crown oh. Jewel. <laughs> what will be the biggest story to come out of this weekend's Crown Jewel? You okay there? You okay? You okay, Jay Hood? I just, just I want to check it. in. 11 Central, for those of you that oh. need help with the, this time at home. Nine hey, right, Pacific. Right. Good luck, oh. LA. Enjoy your breakfast in Crown Jewel. <laughs> a little breakfast at Crown Jewel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so I'm very confused going into Crown Jewel. Um, and maybe some of that is because they decided to flip the tag, the women's tag team champions on the last segment of Raw. Uh, so now it's Alexa, Alexa Bliss and Asuka. And then they're going to run it back. They're going to have the same match. Doing it on uh, on Saturday, so who knows what happens there? I, I was kind of leaning towards maybe Bailey finally winning, like somehow um, because um, Nikki Cross has been getting involved. Somehow she gets involved since it's the last woman standing match. She gets involved somehow. Bailey ends up winning, and you can kind of continue that because if Bailey loses this, I, I don't see how you can once again continue the Bianca Belair versus Bailey and, and damage control. Um, it, it, other than that, is it is are they going to continue OC and Judgment Day? Is that going to potentially lead uh, with that? Because I'm trying to figure out what we're going to have inside War Games at Survivor Series, and that's the only one that kind of makes sense because you're going to have to book it relatively quickly to get some sort of red hot feud going that deserves to be inside those two cages. So I'm leaning towards that feud continuing and edge is going to be with OC and I don't know who else joins judgment day to try to get it to five, but I I'm very confused heading into this, especially with survivor series on the, on the horizon. So I'm going with Lesnar and Lashley because there seems to be a problem there between those two. I saw, I love that, that uh, pull apart on Monday night. And that was some good stuff because Triple H comes out of the chair, right? It's like, oh, Triple H makes an appearance. If you guys touch, uh, the match is over. Uh, like that kind of that. Like, I was like, okay, that's pretty good. I like that. I mean, and and by the way, what I loved about that pull apart is it wasn't just the stooge actors that had you know security. It was wrestlers. Mm-hmm. That's old school, man. Okay, guys from the back helping. Like I saw an Otis pushing people. Yeah. Like Otis is out there with the like the 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 pumpkin on his belly. It was great. Yeah. So so there he was along with some of the wrestlers. That's a real pull apart between those two big guys. So I I guess it's that match. Um, I looked at the card and I thought two things: Lesnar, Lashley. I'm not even sure who goes over. Whatever the prince in Saudi wants, I guess, whatever he wants. I'm thinking he probably wants Lesnar to go over. But is this the big question? And this is this is for Broitz. Does Les does um Logan Paul get his David Arquette moment? Could you imagine? Like, like so in 2022, Gabe, in 2022. Now let's go back. When Arquette won the WC, WCW championship, why did they do that? Because they wanted it on the front page of the USA Today. Yeah. Okay, so this is what 99, 2000. Fast mm-hmm. 22 years later, if Logan Paul wins a championship, what does that mean? I mean, I, I mean how, how quickly does someone see on Instagram and go, oh, he won the championship next? Does, is, it, is, it, that a big, is that a big deal? I think it's a big TMZ story. Oh, I, honestly, it would, be, it would be in ESPN's top stories. Like yeah. in the middle of the college football Saturday, w, like ESPN.com would put it. I don't think it's like the main thing there with, especially since you have, you know, Georgia and Tennessee coming up on on Saturday, <laughs> but like, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's probably one or two in terms of the stories that are, that are on the side of the main story. Um, it would be a big deal for a little bit, but would that be worth undoing everything you did with the bloodline? Right. <laughs> if this were Vince, I would believe it. I think it's Hunter. That, but I will say, though, I think he's going to be the story. Like, he has been good in those first two matches. And if he has another banger against Roman, like, we're talking about that. Like, that's a big deal from a wrestling standpoint, if he's able to do that once again. It's going to be a really good match. It is. Because the way they're downplaying it, like, Roman just, like, says a little, a few things, yeah. hands it over to Heyman. Like, okay, this guy's had two matches. What the, you know, what? I mean, what is this? Two matches. I'm the tribal chief. It's going to be a banger. 
because we saw Logan Paul wrestle before. And the one thing about these celebrities when they come in, man, they are so well trained. Yep. And I know for old, even old schoolers like me, and even before my time, people are just incensed. Like, how did this guy come off the street and take money and take food off the table of another wrestler in the back and all that? Logan Paul's going to do well. He's going to lose, but he's yeah. going to do really well. And I think it'll be entertaining. Yeah, I think that's the thing. He tries. Like, when we see how much he cares, we saw with Bad Bunny also. Like, that goes a long way. So, I think he deserves credit for that. It should be a fun match. And, you know, it's a Saturday afternoon. Hopefully done before Tennessee, Georgia. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, coming out of, like, what stories are continuing out of this? Like, are we going to have, what's what's continuing Uh, out of it? It's just, it's always so strange whenever we hit this. Because yeah. for the longest time, it's like they, they were their own standalone thing. Like when they did like the Super Royal Rumble. And I believe that's when Titus O'Neil absolutely biffed it on his way down to the ring. Yeah. Um, which was like the biggest thing that came out of it. For the longest time, it was like, oh yeah, we're doing this thing over here. You don't really have to care about it. Okay. Then you started having to kind of care about it when they brought HBK out of retirement. And oh. now it actually seems like they build towards it, and it's an actual event on the WWE calendar. Well, where... you had, didn't the Bray drop the title there? Like the Fiend? Like wasn't that there? They had him drop the title. I think so. Yeah. Or did or or did Fiend Fiend beat Rollins? I just remember Rollins screams. I remember, yeah, remember him screaming. Like that. But yeah, looking um, at the card, there's nothing that progresses. I mean, Gabe, you brought up War Games, like. How do you not have bloodline in war games? Like, I feel like that's the route they need to go. I hear what you're saying. There's no obvious storyline when it comes to two groups, but that's the top of your card. They should be in that match when it happens next month or this month. So who who would they face? Who would bloodline be going up against? Brawling um, brutes and a couple other guys? Yeah. The return of the return of Seamus. I guess they took Seamus out of action so he could go get married, but you know, does he return with a vengeance and have those two guys and find two more and then team up with the new day because could it be KO and some dudes like KO street profits like you just throw together like it doesn't actually have to be a group yeah well see traditionally with war games you want to be able to have some kind of connection like but it's got to be a long time feud when it first happened with the road warriors and dusty and um and Paul Ellering, I think it was in there against the Horsemen. I mean, because they hated each other because there was a, a buildup. If it's just war games where it's the bloodline against, yeah, I'll just it'll be KO and it'll just be you know Rollins, uh, Sam. You know, I I don't yeah. know. I mean, to me, you got to have some kind of story in it before because why are you feuding? War games is supposed to be like the ultimate blood. So you know, fight, you, know you hate each other. I don't I don't feel the heat against the bloodline right now for anybody. Quite frankly, yeah. And if if we're getting from a if we're going from a point where Triple H wants to protect Hell in a Cell because he wants to commit blow off match and not have it be its own pay per view, kind of feel the same way about War Was you've got this in your arsenal, you can use it, but to kind of pigeonhole it in with Survivor Series and not really have any sort of build as we sit here like three weeks out from it, that also seems like a miss to me, and it's just not going to connect the way you want it to connect. Well, uh, as far as Crown Jewel is concerned, we have to maybe have a, put a pin in this every time this comes around. We're wondering, like, what's the connection after Crown Jewel comes out of this? Nothing. It's a premium live event, just like we saw in Cardiff, right? Standalone, and all of a sudden, like, Drew McIntyre loses, and then we they start singing. And we're like, what the, what the hell is this? Like, Ooh. oh, just pretend like this is just a one-off. This means nothing. We move on to Monday Night Raw. So same thing here on Saturday. A one-off event, Logan Paul will lose, and then it'll be like nothing happened. We'll go right back to Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. So this this doesn't have any co- connectivity, I don't believe, to the other shows. Does that mean Logan and Jake Paul are going to sing a duet after? That's what we're going to oh. get. They're going to sing some sort of song. I mean, because I believe Jake is going to be in Logan's corner. Yeah. Um, don't, don't believe that's allowed in that country. That's fair. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Very, very good point by, by Jonathan Hood. Yeah. I, I, I can't beat that, so let's go ahead and move on to number three. <laughs> this month, the WWE will celebrate, they announced this week, 10-year anniversary all month long on social media of The Shield. They did mention on uh, social media that it will involve Rollins and Reigns. You had to click on the link to realize that there was a third member of The Shield. But when it comes to The Shield and those three, when we look back on their careers, will those three be remembered more as a group or as individuals? Um, 
I think probably individuals, but I think it's hard to ignore. I, I, other than like evolution, I can't think of another group where all of the members ended up being world champs. And with evolution, like Ric Flair was already a champ. Triple H was already. So there's already that like established portion of evolution before, you know, Randy Orton and Batista went on to become multiple time world champions and be Hall of Famers and do all that. So in terms of three guys debuting together, I, I don't know if there's ever been a successful group as this. Like the, in the individual accomplishments that they've all had since leaving the Shield, they were incredibly over. Everybody was heartbroken when Seth turned his back and and threw that chair into the back of Dean Ambrose. But like all these guys have taken terms being number one in PWI in the top 500. They were all WWE champs and Triple Crown and Grand Slam winners. And now Mox has gone on to be the face of of the second wrestling company in, in the United States in AEW. Like, I, I don't know if there's ever going to be a as successful of a trio as what we have with these three guys. The, the reason why that there's, there's always been factions in wrestling is because you want to be able to be successful, make money as a group, but someone's supposed to spin out, spin out of that group and become world champion, tag team champions, whatever you come together to try to build up the the three or four people and then make them champions. Um, and I just think that all three of these guys have been so successful. I, I look at them individually than, um, than as with the shield shield was cool. Cause it was different. It was a little bit more rugged. It, it, I really liked it, but I think individually, I think they stand out a lot. I was thinking about the horsemen and I was thinking about DX the same way, right? Uh, those guys were great collectively. They spun out and were champions Gabe. So, I really like that. Yeah, I think the other thing also, like, as great as a faction as they were, like, they somehow exceeded it. And I think that's why we remember them more as individuals where, like Bless Gabe you. said, they, they, they've all been the face of a company. And Rollins, probably the least successful of the three, and we've talked about it, he's essentially the macho man or the Triple H of this era. Like, that's something to be proud of. Like, it's impressive to see that. The other thing I'll throw out, like, obviously, the word reunion is always going to be thrown out when it comes to when we look back on wrestling. If we ever see a reunion, which company is more likely to host it, the WWE or AEW? Uh, WWE. Because like, Re Reigns is a lifer in the WWE. I don't, he's a guy here that I don't think will ever leave. But do you ever see Mox home. going back? Like, even a small percent chance? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, with without without well, Vince in charge, absolutely. Because okay. Triple H wasn't the one trying to get him vaccinated from the fans, you know, like that wasn't <laughs> and having to wear a gas mask, like that wasn't that wasn't Hunter, you know. And I I, I can honestly God, see so him dumb. working well under Triple H, um, but but and, he's, and he's, Rollins, he's not going back anytime soon. Even though even though Rollins complained, well, can I, we say it's a complaint? We we will go back a couple weeks ago where he had the interview. That's one on one interview. And he goes, maybe I'll just be a contender, but I'll never be like the guy. And he's like, he's kind of bearing his soul. I thought it was it was pretty much a shoot. Pretty, yeah. What, what was the quote, bro? It was something like, uh, "I'll always just be savage to steamboat." Yeah, something. or Edge to Cena. Yeah. Uh, I've never felt like in my time in WWE that the company was like, "Yep, he's our guy. Put his face on everything." At times, the best he can hope for with Roman is to be the edge to his Cena or the savage to his Hogan. That's it. And, and but and again, I think that all three of us agree that he'd be the third out of the three as far as the success. But Which I is just insane. Think well, right. yeah. yeah. Well, like because, I mean, because again, two-time WWE champ, two-time Universal champ, first ever NXT champ, two-time IC, two-time US, six-time tag. He's won Money in the Bank, won the nineteen Rumble. He won. Uh, he was the PWI uh, number one wrestler of, of their five hundred in fifteen and nineteen. Like, and he's probably the least success successful. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's all the, and, and by the way, all that and boring. How about that? Boring. Because it was under it was under uh, Triple H and Stephanie, that was a tough time to watch Raw. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, it was, was it not you? Tell give me give me the highlights. All that stuff you told me about, right? As far as him away from NXT in WWE, when he was the guy and he was the chosen one, it was Vince, it was Triple H, and it was Stephanie around him. Boring, yeah. bad. It, it was like like hard to watch. Like we always know he could wrestle, but the persona was terrible. And now. Rollins is a baby face. 
I turn on yeah. Raw, and all of a sudden, here comes the yellow streak. You get the blonde streak. <laughs> all of a sudden, now he's asking for the fans. I go, wow, amazing, right? I mean, here's a guy here that's preening and peacocking his way to the ring, and all of a sudden, now he's back to Seth Rollins, like superstar babyface. Amazing how that works, huh? Yeah, and look, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. And I, I, so to answer your original your, your question that you just asked there, Jayhood, I don't know if it was a complaint more than it was just like a statement of reality. Like this is this is the reality of my situation. I, I didn't read it as a complaint. Maybe there's some disappointment there from him, but at the same time, like he's had a tremendously successful career. I think he realizes that now. Certainly, because just about everybody in that business wants to be the guy. They want to be the top guy. But I think he's kind of accepted where he's at because if you're the edge to his Cena or if you're, you know, the, the savage, like th that's still a really damn good spot yes. <laughs> to be when, because edge and, and well, yes, edge isn't one of the greatest of all time. You know, Randy Savage isn't looked at the same way as Hulk Hogan, but they're still looked at as legendary figures that we just have to say one thing about and never go. Yep. That guy was awesome. And it, same thing with Seth. Yes. He's not Roman, but he's still really damn good. I am not going to let you disparage the good name of Edge. Uh-oh. <laughs> what, what did I say? That, uh, no, that you, just said that he wasn't, you just said he wasn't one of the all-time greats. No, I said he is one of the all-time greats. He's not looked at the same way as Cena, but Edge oh. is an all-time great. Wow. And same, it's the same thing with Seth. He's not on the level of Hogan or Cena or Rock or any of those guys, but, like, he's right there. He's really so, damn good. Yeah. Well... Something to be said about that Cena era too, but that's a whole hour special we had to do on that. <laughs> was that 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 was some garbage too at times? Ruthless aggression. I mean, I mean, I, I love big match John like the next guy, but goddamn, can he lose sometimes? I mean, geez, like He's you know, you talk, doom. you talk about a world champion that's pulling out in the bottom of the ninth every time. I mean, my God, Jeez. maybe that is beating Roman. Maybe we're building towards Cena return. Oh, wait, we just saw that. Wait, wait we, just, we just saw Cena. We saw Buzz cut Cena already come in and try to take on the guy. One, uh, two, three. Remember that gimmick? All I need is three seconds. Yeah, three seconds for you to go back to Hollywood. So I will uh, say, you mentioned Rollins the face. Does that make you believe a little bit more that maybe he will be the guy to beat Roman at Mania? Uh, not over Cody Rhodes' dead body. Okay. Right? Cody with a Vince guy, though. We still don't know how Hunter feels about Cody. We still have to throw that out there. That's true. Uh, you know what? I don't know because now with Cody being out, you know, Hunter has some time to think. Like, yep. do I really want this guy that was teasing me and, you know, saying mean things to me? Well, yeah, we could do business, but how much business? Can I make him the right. face of the company? I, mean, it's a, I know he's all for best for business, but he also is petty, Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he yeah. learned that from Vince. Yeah, well, because, I mean, again, he wasn't – Cody wasn't out there at AEW smashing fake brass rings. He was smashing a throne that looked vaguely familiar. Where can I place that? Oh, it looked like a lot of, like, the thrones that Triple H would sit on as the King of Kings. Oh, that's where I've seen that before. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, that's going to be wildly interesting to me. But, again, we have to wait and see if The Rock is somehow going to be involved with Mania before – I think we start fantasy booking Rollins or Cody or anybody. We have to figure out if, if indeed it's going to be Dwayne Johnson showing up to, to fight and, and continuing some sort of bloodline storyline. All right. So that'll do it for the three count. What do we have in our news and notes section this week, Brian? Hey, you brought up Nick Houseman earlier. He brought it up on wrestling observer radio that according to people close to CM Punk, CM Punk is now done with professional wrestling. Um, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I don't think he's done with professional wrestling. I think he's done with AEW. I think, as we mentioned earlier, the whole thing with Cole Cabana coming out there in Baltimore told me all I needed to know about the relationship between AEW and CM Punk. That's a whole different. That's a whole podcast too. Like to look <laughs> back at what like like the CM Punk era for AEW, what the good and the bad. Um, but to I don't think he's out of wrestling, Gabe. I don't. I. I, I think that even again, same thing with Cody, CM Punk and Triple H don't get along. And for people that don't believe me, go back to YouTube, just type in Cole Cabana interview CM Punk. And that whole podcast where CM Punk was just going after the company, blaming Triple H, blaming the doctors and everything else. 
I think that for a one-off, it would not surprise me if CM Punk took on someone for a one-off in WWE. You can still make a bleep ton of money with CM Punk. And if he wants to wrestle, and I think that, look, his wife is is a part of the, the women of wrestling. You know, she's a part of of, of, rest, of the wrestling world once again as well with, with AJ and doing everything she's doing over there. I, I think he may still want to be around wrestling. I mean, he, he did say more disparaging things about a, a WWE once he made that appearance in AEW when he did the first dance. And But look, I mean, if... I will shut the door for now on him going to AEW. I'm not going to shut that door forever because, again, there's still money to be made if they can somehow find a way with time to kind of let some of those wounds heal. But even in WWE, you can make a lot of money with CM Punk. He's still wildly over. Wherever he shows up, it's going to be a big pop. And I I have a hard time believing this is the last we see of CM Punk in a wrestling ring. Yeah, it's weird because we've seen that he can be spiteful. He can sit out of professional wrestling for seven, eight years and turn down every offer, including AEW. Like when he was out, he was out until the time was right. But then the other side, he was so damn happy in AEW. Like I remember being at Revolution in Orlando and being in that presser. He was just so happy. That was the night after he beat MJF. And for it to end the way it did, like it's just which way is it going to go? I do think we see him again. I don't rule out the WWE. But, like, if you told me we never see him again, I also wouldn't be that shocked by it because he's proven he could be spiteful and just go do something else. It depends on how he wants to end his storybook. What is that? I mean, him eating baked goods, winning the AEW championship, <laughs> is that how he wants to end his career? Seriously, what him? Uh, do you think he know? cares? Yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. yeah I do. because when he walked away from WWE, that was on his terms. He yeah, walked yeah. out. Yes, Fair. eventually, you know, Vince served him papers on his wedding day. But, like, ultimately that was Punk's decision to walk out. So yeah. he had control. This does not seem like – this is definitely not a CM Punk decision. This is more of an AEW decision of buying him out of his contract. And the other thing, like the reports out there of the one holdup are whatever the – as part of this buyout are, okay, what's the non-compete going to be? That tells me that CM Punk wants to leave the door open of potentially going someplace else and doesn't want to be off TV much longer than he already has. Yeah, I could see it, bro. It's I think, all right, fantasy book. What if CM Punk took on Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania? Yeah, that's that's mine. It's it's one of those things. I'm not saying like Austin with the tights because he's not doing that. But you saw him against Kevin Owens, and it's kind of like, okay, that's kind of a brawl, brawl slash match. And so, I mean, I think – Gabe is right. There is money in in CM Punk for a one-off. And I think that, once again, we talked about this months ago, Cody Rhodes is kind of like this Pied Piper because he's over in WWE. He left AEW. So I think there's going to be a number of, of wrestlers that are in AEW that will go to WWE. And I we speculated on you know wrestlers like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. That would, that would not surprise me the way this business is. Yeah. Um, and because sometimes you just had to leave, man. So, like Cody said, I had to leave the territory, which is an old school term of I've been here. Yeah, I don't really like what's going on here. I think I've served my time. I'm going to go over there. And I think that he can also pick up the phone and kind of help Triple H in that regard and say, hey, you know what? Vince isn't here. We got some room to roam. But, you know, it feels good. Good environment. Make some money. You know, so not, a, not a tough schedule like it used to be under Vince. Let's do it. Right. And so that's why I, I don't Hausman can can say that. I don't believe that he's done with wrestling. He's got the bug. He ate yeah. baked goods. So he <laughs> definitely wants to get back in. No, I think that's fair. Elsewhere, news and notes over in Japan, a couple matches announced and taken off. New Japan announced that Carl Anderson's open weight championship match that was scheduled for Saturday. Well, that has been scrapped because Carl Anderson will be appearing at Crown Jewel. Anderson and Gallows reportedly still with New Japan through Wrestle Kingdom. Also in Japan, we found out from Pro Wrestling Noah that on January 1st, the great Muda goes one-on-one with Shinsuke Nakamura. So is this the reason why we get no day one? They, we, we don't get a day one pay-per-view because Nakamura <laughs> is going to be over in Japan? Is that the reason why they bumped it? Atlanta was so waiting Knox- for that. Knox said in the interview over in Japan that this started with Vince, it got shut down, and then Triple H is the one that sort of rekindled it, saying, hey, 
let, let's see what we can do here. And that's how they made it work. It, it, you know, it's a smart thing because you've got one of the reasons you lost Brian Danielson from WWE is because yep. he wanted to be able to have some of these one-off matches and be able to wrestle some guys over in Japan. So allowing Shinsuke to do that. And, and apparently those, like you said, Gallows and Anderson are still working with New Japan. So being able to have those deals and have your own version of the Forbidden Door, not that WWE is going to have a co-branded pay-per-view <laughs> anytime soon, but allowing guys to do that only makes it more attractive to come and work at that company. This is all trying to twist uh, Tony Khan. Yeah. You know that, right? That's what Triple H is doing. It's like, yeah, go on over there, you know, because <laughs> they had their Forbidden Door a pay-per-view. There was a... Our relationship there and so for to allow WWE talent to be in New Japan, that means he's opening the door just just to try to needle Tony Khan, just to say, you know what, we can bring talent over here too. Um, I hope Nakamura is ready for that grind, by the way, that grindhouse. Does he remember the New Japan style? Like this ain't the soft WWE style, <laughs> like this ain't a house show in Boise. You're gonna have to does he remember. They, they throw out King of Strong Style uh, yeah. during SmackDown, even though I, I think we're a ways away from that version of Knock, but he's going to have to find it. He's going to have to find it quick. Yeah, okay, because that Kinshasa is hardly a one count in New Japan. Like, it it works here. <laughs> it, you know, it works in the house show in Des Moines, but, like, in New Japan, that's like they get that Kinshasa. That, that's, like, as common as a headlock over there. So <laughs> hope he's ready because he hasn't had a, a pounding like that in, like, what, Four years? How long has he been in the company? Yeah, since the years? NXT days. Like some of those yeah. matches at least were good, but it's been a while. Good luck, man. Good luck. I hope he remembers because <laughs> he's going to get his ass whipped. <laughs> yeah. oh, he's going to remember very quickly. He's going to remember very quickly against Muda. That's for <laughs> sure. More wrestling coming to your watching devices. GCW announced this week it'll now be available on Fight Plus. You can watch live, get over 200 shows in the archive. Only $4.99 a month for Fight TV Plus. Are you already a subscriber? I'm assuming, Brian, like you're, you've already signed up for that, right? So I realized this week, I was like, I don't know why I'm not. So I literally just have to click the button, but I will be by the end of the month, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you five dollars a month? Like, why have I not done this yet? You get the whole library, right? Get everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Over 200 uh, shows. You know what? Hats off to them because, you know, Game Changer, you know, there, there's parallels to them from ECW as far yep. as the way they do their business. You get some really rabid crowds in there. Saw that one show uh, in Manhattan, I believe yeah. they were at the man. It was it was packed and it was it was a hot crowd. They love because it was different type of wrestling. It's not just pure wrestling. It's it could be chaos in there. It could be skits in it. Who knows? It's just a hodgepodge of a lot of different things. And so I'm just glad that they got themselves a home. That's good for them. I mean, Game Changer deserves that. And so now they're ahead of the game on the NWA. They're ahead of the game on uh, for MLW. So it's up to these other companies to step up because as good as the WWE is, when the WWE is good, everybody can eat. Indies are hotter now. Other companies should be hotter. They should be on the same plane. Like the, the action for WWE is good, and, and, and it can be better. But when they're really hot, others can be able to eat. Others can be able to uh, to be able to make money, and that's good for the business. And I think also, like when you're that top indie company, like you get different eyes. Like GCW attracted Moxley. Like Moxley wanted to go there and be their world champion. They had Will Osprey. You mentioned the Manhattan Show. That's the one we watched. Like it was Osprey wrestling there. So. I, I think it's safe to say they're the top indie company in the country right now. So now to have another way to watch them as opposed to just trying to find a feed on YouTube is always a win for pro wrestling. Or the illegal stream. Don't forget that. Or the, yeah, those are always good also. The, the yeah. ever popular illegal stream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything, oh, anything else? Any other notes that we're missing? Uh, finally, uh, I'm talking about AEW, AEW Dark, Joey Janela on Twitter going after them, saying what that show regarding talking about Dark does is nothing for anyone anymore. To be honest, it's stale ass. Squash matches do nothing for anyone in 2022, especially on a YouTube show. This was off highlights of a Ray Phoenix versus AR Fox match that he said is what that show should be every week. Yeah, I agree. Like, if you're going to have that show, just if, if, if all it is is squash matches, why would anybody watch? Like, right. Why would anybody try to seek that out on, on YouTube other than the tremendous commentary 
of one Daddy Magic Matt Menard. He is, I mean, again, he's he's wildly entertaining when he does that. But if it's nothing but squash matches, like it's not worth watching. There's so many other options, and and you have more and more options, especially if you're going onto YouTube to watch wrestling things. There are so many options now that it just seems like a waste of your time as a fan to watch nothing but but squashes. So if you mix a couple of squashes in there, put some really entertaining matches in with a guy like Ray Phoenix, that's only going to be good for everybody. Yeah, I grew up with squash matches. So I, I, I've seen a, men, a, a million squash matches growing up watching wrestling. So I I don't have a problem with it as long as you're elevating the talent, right? Like but, you can have the squash matches, but you but are you but these guys some of these wrestlers are just this languishing on dark and elevation. Are they ever gonna come up to the are you building towards something with that? I don't have a problem with squash matches because, again, I, I, they do serve their purpose. Yeah. But literally all dark and elevation are are squash matches. Like it's yeah. just an hour worth of squash matches, which to me, that doesn't elevate anybody when it doesn't help anybody draw eyes to your product when that's all you're going to show on those YouTube shows. Yeah. yeah and bro, I think it's, it's one thing yeah. to have those squash matches on TV to where we're seeing it. Like I look today at just some of the numbers, they average about 150,000 watching those shows, which is a decent number. You'll take that. But 900,000 are watching on Wednesday. So that's a lot of people not watching on Monday that all of a sudden you can't just throw someone up there like, oh, they're 20 and 0. It's like, I don't know who this person is. Like, there is still sort of a disconnect there when it comes to those two shows. Yeah, well, I and- just, I mean, but I don't know. Uh, Gabe, have you sat through those shows? I, I have when they come. A couple. Yeah, I've been, when they come to Chicago and you get there early, you've seen all these squash mat. These matches are like two minutes, three minutes. It's like, yeah, I don't know who these people are. And then some, they get a nice ovation. But again, the matches are so quick. Again, it's fine. But unless I, if they're going to get to the next level, if they're on Dynamite or Rampage and you're telling the story, fine. But if it's just an hour squash matches just to get people work, you just hand out checks for what reason? What are you handing out checks for? Like if you're not getting anybody over. Yeah. So. Like let them work. You know, let these people yeah. actually get in there, try to tell an interesting story in the ring. It's, it seems pretty easy. And maybe, maybe again, this seems to be a change in the right direction. Maybe we get more of that on these YouTube shows. Yep. That's it for news and notes. So with that, we move on to what was your match of the week? I'll start things off. I'm going Monday. Rollins versus Theory. Like, we sort of talked about it earlier. I guess Rollins is the face now. Theory is one of those guys that keeps reminding us that he can still go in the ring. I don't know where it's going to go with him overall character-wise, but those two getting two segments, working through the break, like that was a fun match on Monday with those two. Yeah, yeah. it was 100%. Mm-hmm. So I have uh, – I think that was the best match I saw with Rollins and Theory because Rollins was just – I mean, again, his baby face Rollins, so you right. could sell. But Theory worked hard too. Here's why it was better. This Theory match was one of the better ones that we've seen. Because we've seen Theory, and if you watch the matches very closely, as a heel, you'll just grind that front face lock, grind that headlock, and it's like, dude, I saw that 30 years ago. You don't have to do that today. And he just he would just sit there. Like, it's not this is if you'll do that during a commercial, that's fine. I don't have to see it. But he would just, you know, it'd be momentum. Then he just cut off the baby face and just grind the headlock. And it's like, hey man, you don't have to do that, right? I mean, you, you just wrestle. And I think that it was fluid, those two. That's why that match worked for me. Um, the uh, the tag team change there, I did not expect, I don't think anybody expected that yeah. for the tag team titles to change with Kai and Sky losing to Bl- Bliss and Asuka. I liked Bianca Belair and Nikki as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's why like, Bianca is going to have some momentum. Nikki cuts her right off. Bianca doesn't move. Nikki cuts it right off. And it's like, wow, the aggressive Nikki. And we've always known, even back to her days at Sanity uh, and NXT, that she was she's a terrific fire plug of a wrestler. But Bianca had some issues, right? She couldn't do all the things she wanted to do. She got the victory, but Nikki got a lot of offense in. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it did to me. It did a lot of following up what they did with Nikki the week before when she interfered in the match, and and again allowing her to do that is only going to make the women's division better. Her, her ash character, like again, that was Vince creation that really didn't connect with anybody. So her being the unhinged, like good wrestler version of herself, that's only a good thing for Monday Night Raw. It's only a good thing for the women's division on Raw. Um, 
I also enjoyed, I mean, and we talked about it a little bit. I mean, Colt Cabana and, and Jericho, I mean, again, we shouldn't be surprised when Chris Jericho continues to put together good matches. The the ending was just a little bit sloppy with the code breaker. Didn't, yeah. didn't connect fully. So that kind of is probably why it didn't make it to the top of my list the way that Rollins and Theory did. Um, but it was, it was really entertaining and really good throughout most of the match. And I will also say, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. I only saw the clips because of that Joey Janela thing. AR Fox and Ray Phoenix, like, that was a fun match. Like, I saw highlights on Twitter. I want to go watch that on Dark now. Like, I'm going to seek that out. I want to watch that. Those are two guys that can go. AR Fox is one of those guys, like, I feel like I see him all the time, Mania Weekend, working indie shows. I don't know what his ceiling is, but, like, he's one of those guys where I was like, oh, that guy's good. He can go in the ring, and we know how Ray Phoenix is. So it was yeah, fun I mean, to see those two together. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised they haven't put the belt on him yet, but, you know, that's let's just have to keep that complaint. We'll keep that one in the back pocket. <laughs> there might as well just be a, a graphic that says Gabe Neitzel anytime the Ray Phoenix gets out there. I mean, just, <laughs> every time, I can't think of anything else except you when I see Ray Phoenix. Like, there he goes. There's Gabe's guy. There he goes. Well, and you know, like, and again, like he he delivered in the the triple threat match for the All Atlantic title. Again, he's the one who ends up beating the pin from uh, after taking the the orange punch from Orange Cassidy. Okay, you know, if if you really think Orange Cassidy can can defeat Ray Phoenix, let him let him fight one on one. You cowards. <laughs> Another thing I'll throw out: not a match, but but oh man. Oh, you know oh what? man, he froze. He was, yeah, I mean, to make oh. it this long. Oh, <laughs> I let me guess. Look, we're gonna guess what you're gonna say because you froze. Not you, a match, but no, I think he was gonna say, Which one did you prefer, daddy ass in his uh birthday celebration <laughs> or Gargano sit down? Is that what you're gonna say or no? It is not. I, it was, it was oh. just a move. Just a moment. It was Darby's suicide dive into Satnam Singh. Him just diving into a wall. Like, that was yes. entertaining. It's a good bump. So, I mean, yeah. Any suicide dive, yes. Like, that move in particular from, from Darby is, it's insanity. The way he just, like, throws his body around. It's it's really tough. Uh, was, and to answer your, your question, Jay Hood, yeah. I am going to say Johnny Gargano uh, just because of the reenactment. That like the reenact like him playing the characters in the reenactments that that absolutely got me. Wait a minute, but you got this whole thing for daddy. Like I'm thinking, even all those years with DX, I think that Billy Gunn is the most over in his career right now. Am I am I yes. prisoner of the moment? No. Or am I, okay. I mean, no. they love this guy, man. Like he's never had this adulation before. I mean, it's one of the the acclaim get their segments with no real interference. It's just them for six, seven minutes doing their thing, and then it's all it's over. Like no run-ins, no one's trying to interrupt it. It's pretty cool, actually. Like that was pretty cool for Daddy Ass, though. Well, to that point, like it's so crazy when it comes to AEW. There's so many guys that get hot, they get up there, and they're like, "All right, let's take them back a little bit. Let's wait a few weeks." Like the acclaim, they got them up there, and they keep going. Like that, we don't see that in AEW. We see it with FCR, with Wardlow. We've talked so much about the guys that get over and then never take that next step because they're not on TV. The acclaimed is getting it. They're there on TV every week, and every single week they're getting those crazy pops. Yeah, and, I mean, giving Daddy Ass the foam scissor-me fingers, um, that was fantastic because his hands, his hand, like, you, you know, you're going, man, they're doing a birthday celebration. You can't say scissor-me, Daddy Ass, because his hands are all mangled from what Sneaky Swerve did, and sure enough, they found a way to be able to still get Scissor Me Daddy Ass in the segment. It was creative, and now you're going to be seeing those things everywhere. It's it's oh, a yeah. great marketing opportunity for AEW. That's just smart. That's capitalizing on that as well. I, I, but the Gargano thing was brilliant, though, because – and we had one of our, our messages said that they thought that that was ass and like it. I liked it because it showed some personality from Gargano from his days at NXT, so I liked it. I liked I, I, I liked Gargano being all the characters <laughs> in his own reenactment. <laughs> like a, a very serious Byron Saxton. Who's, yeah, the Byron Saxton, like he, the yeah. way he played the straight man in the entire thing, I thought Byron nailed it as well. Like he was yeah. sneaky. Oh, why was that? <laughs> yeah, it's good. I enjoyed it. No, it, it was good. I think that both companies nailed it with their with their skits. I think the worst one was JBL calling uh, everybody snowflakes. And woke yeah. and just like it's just you know it's just okay. The heat is supposed to be on Baron Corbin, not you. 
Are you going to yeah. be a? Is he is he going to the house shows? Is he is he going to be with Corbin? Every, no, he's there to try to get Corbin over. Corbin's already over, right? So I just I didn't like that. I mean, I understand what he's doing going for. It was all positive, and then he went from babyface to heel in the same promo. I get that, but the heat's supposed to be on Corbin, not JBL. So I want that to wrap up pretty soon. Yeah, like, I, I was intrigued when JBL showed up. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Give Corbin a mouthpiece because I mean, JBL's fantastic on the mic. Yeah. But it's more about JBL than it is about Corbin. Like he does his like five minute diatribe, and then oh yeah, by the way, here's Corbin. He's about yeah. to lose a match. I'm going to be on commentary <laughs> and be pissed off when it happens. And I think the other thing also, like 2010 JBL, like does that really work in 2022? Especially like some of the real life stuff we know, like the Ranello, the bullying stuff there. Like I don't know if that works in 2022. I would agree. Uh, it's trying to get heat, and I understand that. Yeah. I don't know how that helps Corbin though, right? right. And like yeah. the things that he really wants, he wants to say in 2022. Now he can. Um, I'm trying to make a comparison with him. <sighs> Who's the guy from from um, that was at AW for a while that was managing uh, Scorp- Scorpio Sky? Oh, the and, America's, uh, uh, America's top team, Dan, Dan Lambert, Lambert, right? Yeah. Lambert. Well, okay, all right. He was playing old school, you know, out of touch yeah. heel, but it was wrestling related. That's yes. the difference, right? It was about, hey, you know, wrestling used to be this and now it's that. He was anti AEW, all this stuff, right? But it was under the wrestling context. Yes. It was it wasn't going outside and you know calling people woke and and, and all this other stuff. It was just it was kind of like a little bit of a disconnect for the people in Dallas, yeah. I thought. Wait, is Jeff Jarrett the new Dan Lambert? Is that is that what's happening in AEW? <laughs> Fine. That's a, but not every week, though. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, that's that's the important part. Not yeah. every week. You put him uh, on. We, you put him on every week. All of a sudden, he'd be the champion. Be careful. No, no. <laughs> don't, don't even joke about that, Jay Hood. Why does Why does TNA work the way it is today? Oh, I know. Jeff Jarrett was <laughs> champion six times. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are plenty of things to talk. We've run into your favorite show. Impact is on right now, so we may have got to make sure we get out as the Impact uh, pregame show here. Uh, but there are going to be plenty of things to talk about. We'll have Crown Jewel to react to and see if Crown Jewel impacts what we see on Monday Night Raw next week. AEW continues to roll on as they build up both companies having premium live events and pay-per-views in the month of November. Plenty of things to talk about next week on GKW.